Welcome to the Emerge Thriving Podcast, wellness designed for real life. In these conversations, we focus on topics that impact our everyday lives. Forgiveness, self-worth, resiliency, embracing self-care, the power of nutrition, and so much more. Life isn't always easy, but together we can take steps towards a thriving life. Today, we're talking about how to navigate intense feelings of burnout and overwhelm. Dr. Kate Steiner, burnout recovery coach and founder of Lift Wellness Consulting, is joining us to shine a light on the very real impacts of burnout and how we can navigate through it with self-compassion, grace, and ease. Thank you for being with us, Kate. We're so glad to have you. Before we get started, please feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to be here with you today. And so I'm Dr. Kate Steiner. I'm a burnout recovery coach, as you mentioned, and I help people who are experiencing burnout to identify, prepare, and recover from that space. So I really got into this work with through my own experience with burnout and recognizing that there is a way to address that cycle and to build more resilience from that. And that's what brought me into my work that I do now. Oh, I'm excited. I really appreciate the work that you do. Burnout's a really, very real experience for me in my life. I know it can be a very real experience for people too, just in multiple areas, not just professionally, but personally with everything that we go through. And this last year is a real example of the intensity that it can have in our lives. I've definitely found myself to be deep in emotional and physical exhaustion too, as I navigated my personal challenges of processing trauma and restoring my mind, body, and spirit. So I appreciate that you're dedicated to helping us look at burnout in a whole new way and that you hone in on the power of self-regulation through micro resilience strategies. And so I'm excited to get started. And you have an interesting approach to burnout too, because I've heard before that burnout can be avoided through self-care and by creating professional and personal life balance. And then it's just kind of end of story from there. You have a different perspective on it. So in general, what does burnout mean to you And why do you say that it can't be completely avoided? Yeah, so I really consider the feelings and things that we experience when we have, when we are in burnout or we're experiencing burnout. So that fatigue, that emotional drain, that feeling as though the things that we're doing around us are a burden or overwhelming or are unmanageable, they're part of the human experience. And it doesn't mean that every time you experience what I call a burn event means that you're going to be at that place where you're feeling as though everything is completely unmanageable, but the self-care, the the strive towards integrating your personal life with your career life and those kinds of things, that's a continuous process. And so for me, I think we set up almost kind of this not even a false sense of security, but almost this false blame when we say, oh, burnout is avoidable. Because when you experience it, then you feel as though you've somehow failed in this wellness and progressive pattern 
when you haven't, it's just maybe you need to focus a little more on your recovery plan or your preparation plan in a different way. I really appreciate that because what I come up against personally for myself in my healing journey and what I see other people come up against is is stigma and the shame of not being healthy rather than just kind of not accepting, like giving in and saying, okay, this is my life. There's nothing I can do about it. Not that kind of accepting, but being able to to accept that the circumstances you're in are that's part of the human experience. Yeah. This is very, this happens a lot and we can work through this and there doesn't need to be all of that shame and stigma and wanting to hide things and wanting to pretend we're okay or power through or all those things we do rather than kind of looking at it for what it is and then taking the steps that we need to care for ourselves. Yeah. In a healthy way. Yeah. And I like that you, so you have a term that you use, which is called burn events. Yes. And use it pretty frequently. Can you provide insight on what burn events are and how they differ from what we commonly think of as burnout? Sure. So burn events are often day-to-day experiences, events, or activities that lead us to feel fatigued, emotionally drained, or overwhelmed. So we often think of these things as like this, this is a stressful moment, or this is a stressful activity, or this is a stressful person that we're interacting with. And that is, is what I refer to as burn events. These are pieces and activities and the, our experience of them. You still want to have a recovery process from them. And why that's important is because when we do not recover from these burn events, as we go through our day-to-day they can compound upon each other and then they really create the snowball effect. And that's what leads us into this burnout space. And burnout is, is that bigger experience of, and it really highlighted by the piece of you no longer feel joy in activities and pieces that you used to feel joy in. You feel very, very overwhelmed by the work. You feel as though the work or the activity is a burden to you. And that feeling of it being unmanageable. So you wake up and you're just not even sure how to face it in your day. That is full, what I would say is full on burnout. But as we identify burn events throughout our day, our week, some of them we can look at the calendar and know they're coming up. And that offers us an opportunity to prepare for them in a different way and then have a plan of how to recover from them immediately. And then as we build our kind of daily recovery rituals, that helps us build resilience to the burn events that are unexpected. I really appreciate that. You know, that flexing the muscle of resilience and resilience can look different for different people. And you have to really take stock in your situation that you have and the challenges and who you are as a person, your personality. There's a lot that goes into being resilient. But what you just talked about there, recognizing burn events and caring for yourself through that process and preparing for those events to happen. So that you aren't just kind of, you know, keep uh, saying, I should be stronger than this. I should be, I should be, I should be. And the way we talk to ourselves when we're going through things that are challenging or this, the negativity spiral that we can go down in resentment, you know, and it can breed unforgiveness and, and the healthy relationship dynamics and whatnot. So just having those resilience tools for you, yourself, being able to navigate it can avoid so much more weight and burden that can result from not being able to navigate through the burnout 
in a healthy way. Yeah. So what would you say? I think this will help kind of crystallize this for for someone um, if they're listening in and they're trying to kind of pick up the pieces of what this burnout, how to navigate through it looks like. What would you say to someone who right now is on the verge of burnout or is already feeling overwhelmed and exhausted? Yeah. So the, I mean, the first piece and the important piece of any, any time that we are, are on the cusp of change is, is that recognition piece, right? So for me, I didn't recognize my own burnout until I really realized that I had just become this version of myself that I didn't want to be. You know, I was really short tempered with people. I was very reactive to things that I generally in, in the past hadn't been super reactive to. And once I recognized that, I was like, okay, this isn't the space or the energy that I want to bring to these relationships. This isn't the person that I know I am generally. And so recognizing that first is like a huge courageous step. So I would want anyone who is in that space to give yourself a pat on the back because that's the first big brave step to then getting yourself into a recovery space. And the next piece is find some time for just yourself each day. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be lengthy, you know, somewhere between two and five minutes. And think about maybe what you have already established as a morning ritual. Is there a practice that you can add while you're brushing your teeth in the morning? I have a post-it note on my mirror that has some lines that essentially it's just for today. I will not worry. I will, I will do my work to the best of my ability. I will offer grace and gratitude to each human I interact with. And those kinds of things. And I read that while I brush my teeth and just spend that those two minutes really kind of reflecting on those pieces. And it does help set my mind for the day in a more, more positive direction. Doesn't mean I always accomplish those things. You know, sometimes we all have our annoyances, they're gonna come up, but it does help me set set that day. So considering what are you already doing and honor those practices. And then is there something that you can add to that that will just amp up that recovery and self-care. You were sharing those practices that you do in the morning, setting the intention for the day. That really resonates with me as I'm waking up and being greeted by the sun. I'm noticing that that fresh air and stepping outside, maybe with coffee or whatnot, it doesn't have to be long, but just 10 minutes. And doing that instead of opening my email, you know, or doing that instead of opening (laughs) social media, it really sets the tone for a better day. So I didn't realize that that was that fit into that idea of avoiding burnout. But yeah, you're right. That's true. And And I've just been doing this for about a week or so. And I've noticed that, wow, that's brief. That's a brief thing to do. But it really does make a difference. Yeah. And I would say that that, that self-reflection is a, is a key piece of, of really what I teach people. And let's look at what you're already doing because you actually are already successful in some of these things. It's just, what can we do to add to that, to encourage more? Or is there something that you've been doing that used to work that isn't working as well as it used to? And do we need to reframe that or, or try a different way of doing that piece of it? Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on restoring mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically? Yeah. So I really think of it in terms of, I call it a recovery formula. So thinking about those areas of wellness, 
And I also include the social wellness as, as a piece to that. So our interaction and connection with other humans and financial wellness and what does our relationship with money look like are, are two additional areas of wellness that I include in this piece. And I kind of think of them in like, one, I want to be working on all of my areas of wellness in kind of an, an even way so that you're, you're almost functioning on a well-balanced wheel if you think of them as spokes of a wheel. And if you're focusing on one area more than any other area, you kind of get that flat tire effect where you can, you can go on the flat tire, but it's, it's going to be a bit of a wonky to ride. And it, you know, it does cause damage as we kind of go along. So that's one thought process that I have with that. The other piece when it comes to recovery formulas is really considering what are things that I can do that will impact multiple areas of wellness? So if I'm thinking that I need some recovery space that will include movement of my body, so that's that physical piece, include my spiritual connection. So generally for me, that's a connection with nature or being in water or around water is an important piece to that. And then maybe I want to also consider that social interaction. So something that I will do now that we're getting into more summer weather and and that kind of thing is do a, a paddleboard yoga class. So that includes group of people. It includes the physical piece. It includes that mental piece because of the yoga and meditation. And I'm also getting that spiritual connection by laying on a paddleboard and just feeling the waves beneath me and the water kind of guide me through that area. So I like to think of our wellness practices in like, how can I get the most for this activity essentially? And really consider that most activities are going to impact you in multiple ways in your areas of wellness. So when we exercise, we're going to get those endorphins that help us with our mental wellness and in those key pieces. So I think that that's important for people to consider. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And so you're talking about activities and one of the things that came to my mind was art, you know, self-expression some way of really just detaching from kind of this, this stress, not in a unhealthy way, but in kind of a grounding way. Yeah. And really being able to maybe work with my hands or, and you just kind of create that sense of, of calm. And I always feel so restored after something like that. So I can see what you're talking about, you know, being connected with nature, being out on the water, I mean, that's another one that will just make, can give you real, you know, if you are comfortable with those things that can really give you life Yes, and make you feel connected to something bigger than yourself. And that is also just such a great restoring way to do that. So I like that you're encouraging people to do that. I'm certainly exploring that for myself too, as a way of creating I don't, when people say create a lifestyle, that sounds so heavy and complicated. And oh my gosh, what are you talking about? That, that sounds expensive. But really when you're thinking about what kind of life do you want to have, then it's what intention is there and what are you creating for what a daily life might look like? And then over time too, you know, different milestones and things that you can do or support systems and communities. And there's all sorts of things that can come into that picture. But I think those activities, self-expression, outlets, emotional outlets, that can really go a long way in supporting you um, in your day-to-day life. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of, of, of free writing. And it's so just spending some time 
whether, you know, journaling or just, you know, allowing what the thoughts that come to mind, they go on the paper. And then if you can, if you have a paper shredder, that's a great way of then releasing those thoughts. Some people like to burn those things. Um, I, I know others that will paint over them in that regard. So incorporating that artistic piece as well. I guess the next thought that I had when we were talking about burnout and thinking about our conversation today and preparing, one of the things that I thought of is I know that when I'm experiencing burnout or when I'm going through something, it impacts everybody around me. And then vice versa. If somebody else is really going through something deep, it, that can have an impact on the people around them as well. So the next question kind of comes from that thought process. We're not usually living life in a complete silo where somebody's parent, spouse, friend, family member, or a community member. So with that in mind, what are the advantages of being able to navigate burnout as it relates to our relationships? Or in other words, what can we hope to gain from putting into practice the concepts and coping strategies that we're talking about today? Yeah, I know for me, I'm just, I'm a more, I'm a happier person. I think that I'm, you know, more fun to be around when I am in a space where I'm navigating my burn events well, and I'm able to implement recovery practices, you know, throughout my day-to-day and continue to have some of those, those daily routines and rituals that really help frame and prepare me for, for the day. So I think that that's an important piece. I think we just, we interact differently when we feel more well in that space. And that is going to have a huge impact on our relationships. Another thing that I think is really important is to not keep either our struggles or our wins with this to ourselves and to share them with our partners, with our children, with, with our friends, with our colleagues, because it helps them know that one, if they're experiencing these things, they can talk about it. And two, how can they support you when they notice that you're maybe not in your most well space? And maybe you haven't recognized it yourself just yet, but a kind friend who love and cares about you can say something that just helps you recognize like, oh, you're right. Maybe I haven't been practicing quite as well as I had been. And I did lose practice with this one routine. And so I would like to add that back. So I think that that is really important. And then there's just in general, that modeling the way piece, right? So especially when we're talking about children in our lives and modeling that piece that one, all emotions are okay. And so you can have, you can experience the gamut and come back from that and support each other and talk about them and feel all of them. And two, that taking time for yourself is not selfish that it is an important part of being a human and interacting with others. Yeah, and that's a really important one too, especially if you are coming from a place where you feel like you have to prove your worth through what you do, what you know, how you impact others. If, if that's what you feel like your worth is defined by, then there, it can be very compelling and a deep need within you to be putting everyone else first and foremost, in every single way to the point where you are not able to care for yourself and you're really doing a disservice to yourself. And then here we are talking about burnout because <laughs> the impacts of that 
is real, you know, and so and it, it really can become this cycle. And so being able to see your worth, I have worth as a person that's a, I have inherent worth and that's not dependent on performance and it's not dependent on showing up a certain way. You just, you have value. And one of the ways that you are nurturing and caring for yourself as a person with value and it deserves to be cared for is by creating this space to care for those needs, to get the nutrition you need, the sleep that you need, the space that you need and whatnot. And I know that's so easy to say in a conversation and harder to do, but it's just to encourage people to really see that, that this really isn't negotiable. Mm-hmm. It really isn't something that we can continue to put off and to devalue because the reality is, is that it's really important, especially as humans, that we have those needs, that we honor them and respect them. And then like you're saying, then we're showing our kids or showing the other people that we care about in our life how to honor and respect their own needs by doing that first and foremost for ourselves in a loving and healthy way. Um, not a guilty way, not a breaking down and burning out and flames way and then being like, oh, I need to take care of myself, but just doing it along the way as a part of your daily life, that there's a healthy way to do that and you deserve it. So this, when we're talking about this healthier way of being, how does this impact just in general, the people around us and it help them to avoid burnout too? We touched on this a little bit in terms of modeling for kids and being open and honest about how we're caring for ourselves or our need, or our needs as people but what can we expand on that conversation a little bit about what that can do what the ripple effect of that is out for people around us in our lives too and professionally as well yeah sure so for me and I'll just I'll give a personal example here so when I, when I'm experienced experiencing burnout. And I had mentioned that, you know, I'll, I'll be more short tempered, just a shorter fuse. I get annoyed more quickly. I, you know, I might snap back when I don't intend to. And so that absolutely impacts my relationships with people because they will kind of, they will start to shy away from me and they will start to avoid me in those situations because I'm not a fun human to be around in those moments. And so that, that is definitely an impact kind of in the opposite direction. But when I am doing better with my practice and I'm doing better in preparation and identifying burn events and recovering from them, I am back to a place of more authenticity and I'm a very playful person. So I like to have a lot of fun. I will institute an impromptu dance party just about anywhere I am. And so that energy brings people to me. And I think being that light is an important piece in that relationship. So your impact and how you are experiencing burn events or burnout can really impact the energy in all spaces around you. And I do think that that's something we want to think about and consider not in a, you must do it this way or in a shooting kind of way, but, you know, noticing how others or maybe being around us can give us a lot of information in how we our energy is maybe presenting to them or impacting them in those moments. One thing I've noticed as I go down this healing journey is that I'm getting to know Amy, a healed version of Amy, because the Amy that I've always known is somebody who was in a constant state of stress, 
or somebody who was trying to come out of something or get through something or navigate something. There's always some kind of heaviness. And so being in this place where I'm learning to see what my body is like when it's restored and I'm learning to see how I naturally, like what my self-expression or what I like to do, or I'm experiencing some emotional freedom for the first time and some spiritual peace. And as I'm going through this healing journey and being able to deepen the way that I am caring for myself, I'm getting to see that better version of who I am little by little. And I think that that really does have a profound impact on how you show up in the world Mm -hmm. and what you choose to do in your life, like what's important to you, what you hone in on. For example, it could be something so simple, but when you're in a place of you've been feeling really depleted, then maybe you there's just, I just need to watch Netflix or something like mm-hmm. that. That is, I just need to get by. Like the, that is my bandwidth. That's all I have. I need to kind of hole up. But when I'm able to care for myself and I'm getting the nutrients that I need and getting the support that I need and I'm not in a place of surviving. I'm more in a place of thriving. Then what I want to do changes. You know, where I want to spend my energy changes, who I want to be around changes. And it can really open up my life. So I appreciate what you're saying here and encouraging people to really prioritize, you know, this navigating through the challenges in a healthy way and recognizing and honoring the realness of these burn events so that we can prepare for them and we can get through them in a way that allows us to really be, sounds corny to say the best version of ourselves, but it it's the authentic version of who you are supposed to be without all the weight, without all the baggage, without all the chronic stress. Yeah, your truest, realest self. Yes. So what are some resources that have been helpful for you as you prepare and recover from burnout? Yeah, a couple of things that I really like to implement in my own planning is one, I will do what I call a calendar audit. And so that will be anywhere from it could even be at the end of the day, but once a week to kind of at the end of the month or at the end of a term, looking back at my calendar and really just identifying if there were any events that either hit me off guard. So they were unexpected in those mo- in that moment. And I felt, I felt them as a burn event. And are they something that is going to come up again? And can I prepare for them differently? Or the burn events that I had identified, how did it go in terms of preparation and recovery from those events. So really kind of taking a look back, self-reflecting on those pieces and then doing some observation and some adjustment if needed in preparing for those events differently. The other piece that I keep really on hand or as part of just a general practice in my own burnout recovery is the comfort list. So this is a list of items, activities, things, foods, people, music, Anything that brings me immediate comfort, calm, peace, joy, it goes on this list. And they can be incredibly simple. Macaroni and cheese is probably the number one thing that I have on my comfort list. But it also includes a cozy sweater, sunlight, the Hallmark Channel and Hallmark movies for when I just need you know to, to download and not, not think, but just 
watch something with a happy ending and a predictable ending in that regard. So everyone has a comfort list and we it's incredibly important that we remember that as humans, we still need to be comforted when we're feeling overwhelmed and stressed. When we're adults, we have that personal responsibility for it as opposed to when we were children, we often, we may have had someone help us in that manner. So having the comfort list ready and at hand is a way that we can help ourselves. So when we're feeling overwhelmed, we don't have to think too hard or too much about what is going to bring us comfort. We can really just go to that list and say, what can I implement right now in this moment that is going to bring me some peace, calm, and joy? I didn't know that this matched up with this as a best practice. And when we first met and we were talking, I had a real aha moment. <laughs> but one of the things, so for me in recovering from PTSD is you go into these this flight or fight modes. Mm-hmm. It's just so quick to go there. And then the impacts of that, you know, what it does to your body and whatnot can really throw you off and it can be a real challenge. So one of the things that I'm learning to do is self-regulation, which is kind of getting your place yourself back in that more peaceful, calm place of being. And then being able to do that helps you to get back to where you can function and where you can you can do what you need to be doing for the day and you can have a calmer state of being through that process. So for me, I have a routine that when something like that is happening, there's a you know a response to it that it's to get grounded. Yeah. And to maybe you have a certain scent or you do some stretching or you do something that helps you to get to that place or like stepping outside and feeling the sun. You know, it's a micro version of that comfortless that can really help get you to a place of calm and ease. And so that your day doesn't have to be hijacked. Yes. Or worse, depending on what you're dealing with. But, you know, for me, it can be like you could lose a day. You could, because it can bring on migraines and other things like that. So you really have to have some, you have to understand, you know, who you are and what it is that you need and then have that kind of ready to go, which is what you're talking about here in this conversation, being prepared for things that you know are, may come up and then being able to navigate through them. That's so great. Yeah. I think I love hearing that in, in that regard, because there, you know, there are so many things that we do in our day to day that bring us that that are a part of the recovery practice that we may not have just haven't been named as part of the recovery or even the preparation when it comes to facing burnout. Yeah. And if you don't realize, if you're not able to connect the dots, you just may be feeling a lot of shame around it. Yeah, I shouldn't be feeling this way. This shouldn't be impacting me. This shouldn't be bothering me. Why can't I get through this? You know, and then there's all that negativity. So now you have two problems. One, your original problem. And then the second one, the way you're talking to yourself and treating yourself. Yes, we, we don't do ourselves any good when we start shooting all over yeah. ourselves. <laughs> so for those of us who would love to stay connected in and engaged with you, how can we stay in touch and what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Dr. Kate Steiner on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, And those are great ways to reach me through um, direct messages if you'd like, but you can also find us at our website, which is liftwellnessconsulting.com. Perfect. And we so appreciate all of your insight. Is there a final thought that you'd like to share with us before we part ways? Yeah. You know, I think we talked about when you're in the experience, when you're experiencing this burnout, what's what's the next step? And, And for me, the important piece is 
is to know that you can find control and that you are, you truly are the driver in this, this story and in this impact. And so finding small ways and just starting the journey to identify your burn events, prepare for them, and then really thinking about what, what are the recovery practices that you are already doing and how can you expand upon them? Thank you for a wonderful conversation today, Kate, and for sharing your perspective and expertise with us. We appreciate you and we look forward to staying connected. Thank you. If you have a wellness topic that is important to you, let us know by visiting emergethriving.com forward slash podcast.